Hello, everyone, and welcome into Dopio. I am one of your Dopio hosts, uh, Dante. I'm Donnell. Welcome. And what Dopio is, is a double shot to wake you up. And we certainly have a lot to talk about today. Um, but first, let me check in on my Dopio dad. How are you doing, dad? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Um, in lieu of everything that's going on outside in the world, you know, on the inside, uh, here at the Husky House, everything's going well. I mean, the year's off to a uh, fairly decent start, you know, and I, I managed that by not having too many expectations, you know, uh, taking each day as it comes. And, you know, uh, I posted a, a saying, there's no new year, no new me. You know, I, I'm the same asshole I was last year, and I'll continue to be so this year. You know, so um, <laughs> everybody's healthy. Everybody woke up this morning, so... You know, I'm grateful. You know, so how's the uh, year started out for you, son? Well, um, I, as far as on the personal front, the year started off uh, fine. Um, you know, I have no complaints about the beginning of, of a new year, beginning of new opportunities and things like that, though I think every day is the beginning of a new opportunity. Uh, we got some coronavirus spikes here in Tokyo, um, so things are kind of shut down again. But other than that, um, everything's going. It's just going. That's good. Um, so shall we get into it? Let's, by all means. All right. So we're going to open today's show with um, some opening thoughts. Um, and I've been elected to go first uh, by um, by the uh, democracy that is Dopio. Um, <laughs> so here we go. This week, there were no winners. Um from this past week, only losers. You can reference Democrats retaking the Senate, um, and we'll get to that. You can talk about Pelosi being reelected as uh, the Speaker. That's a loss. We'll get into that. Uh, we can talk about Twitter and Facebook inflaming uh, the threat of tech and the First Amendment. We probably won't get to that today. Um, but we can also talk about populism being stained by the stupidity of Republican cynicism. Um, that was a big loss as well. Um, but that big loss um, is incomparable to the biggest loss this week. Um, and that is um, the failed insurrection on January 6th. And um, I watch from my phone as the foreign news and, uh, um, and Twitter and, and, and YouTube were ablaze. And America was unmasked. The things that my father and I had talked about on this show for a year now, almost a year now, about how America is not the shining, uh, was it the shining house on a hill or whatever they call it, whatever Reagan said, it was a wasteland masked by, by money. It was, a, it was a polished turd. And we saw how shitty America was on January 6th. And while a lot of people are appalled, black people are not surprised. While many people are afraid of the future, black people can make jokes because we've always been afraid of the future. While many of you are wondering how could America come to this, black people entreat you to think America was always this. So my opening thoughts for this week is simply, welcome to reality. Many of you 
have been living in this separate world where none of this was possible. Many of us have been living in this world where all of this was obvious. And there are still yet some who have yet to open their eyes. That day will come. That's it for my my opening thought. Um, wow. I mean, you pretty much said it all. But I will um, I will expound a little bit further. Um, I agree. There were no winners this week. Um, however, I believe that, you know, when you said that um, America has been unmasked, I think it's been unmasked for the world. Those of us who are residents of this United States of America, we've always known that it's been like this, you know, and you were right. You know, as black people, you know, it's always been a shit show. You know, we've always, what is that, what's that saying? Um, if, uh, if white folks catch a cold, uh, black folks have pneumonia, you know? So um, outside of the five deaths, you know, my condolences go out to the families and heartfelt sympathies for the people who lost their lives to some degree. Um, but I sat up and watched that and, and I understand this is gonna probably piss some people off. I laughed, I laughed because the same shit that y'all, that, excuse me, not y'all, the same shit that a lot of white Americans accuse black folks of doing for so long, rioting and this, this and that and that, we got to see y'all do it. Y'all was center stage. You know, what, what is the, uh, the go-to phrase? Well, if y'all just comply, then nothing will ever happen. Exactly. So y'all didn't do too much complying on, on Capitol Hill. You know, so uh, for the ones who are being arrested and, and all of this due to the fact that they were sitting in Pelosi's chair and walking off with the speaker's podium and, you know, screaming all this crazy stuff, um, I have no sympathy for you. I, I, you know what? Whatever happens to you, happens to you. You know, and, and in regards to the way things are going right now, you know, one of my new philosophies, or an old philosophy that I'm re-implementing is that I have no expectations. I can't be disappointed if I, if I don't expect anything out of you, you know, and that's where I am when it comes to a lot of the things that are going on. Now, when it comes to the government, I expect, I expect my due. As a veteran, you know, as a citizen of this country, someone who has fought for this country, I expect my due. But outside of that, when I see people acting the way they're acting, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised in the least. You know, and, I, and, and, and for the most part, what you see is what you get when it comes to America. You know, so for the outside world, you know, we may have been unmasked, but those of us who have lived here, you know, and suffered here and died here, we know who you are. We know what America is. You know, and that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, and that let, let's um, let's unpack um, what 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 happened, what precipitated this, um, and uh, you know we'll we'll move on from there. So, um, if you allow me to, um, so um, for many people, this is a surprise. It's not um, the reason why this isn't a surprise. Um, like it's just basic human psychology. Um, you know, I, I use. And I hesitate to use the reference to World War II Germany um, because people think that I'm calling conservatives Nazis, even though you have neo-Nazis that support the Republican Party. Um, and it would 
be an apt comparison just on that alone. However, I, I'm going to use World War II Germany because there are many, many parallels. Um, so let's start with how Trump rose to power. Populism. Now, I love populism. Populism means simply acting for the people. Populism is fine. But populism in the hands of a false idol um, can be quite dangerous. And with World War II Germany, um, the, the populist outrage was harnessed um, against um, their Judean brothers, um, the Jewish brothers there uh, in Germany. They, they, were, they were blamed, they were scapegoated for everything that happens. If you're not seeing the parallel yet, here it comes. What did Trump say, among many other things, when he first became um, a candidate for president? or a candidate for the Republican uh, nominee for president, he started blaming foreigners for the plight of America. Um, this was the first comparison, and albeit very early, I kind of had an idea that this was gonna go bad. Um, but further, he continued to stoke these nationalistic flames that are only really viewed by one segment of the party, um, or rather one segment of the, of the country, and those are white nationalists. You don't really see black nationalism as it pertains to politics or as it pertains to national politics um, at the very least. So that was the beginning. And then we had um, the, the Charlotte, excuse me, the Charlottesville incident where um, we had neo-Nazis and fascists on one side and anti-fascist liberals and, and um, uh, activists on the other side who were, who were protesting peacefully, and then we had it de-evolve into a woman losing her life um, at the hands of a fascist racist who was radicalized by the words of the president. Um, I know your memory is, or people's memory isn't that bad, so I'll flash forward to another one. But the bomb, or the, uh, the bombing threat that came from uh, the gentleman from Florida. No one remembers about that. Um, Another person who was radicalized, his, his van full of stickers on the outside dedicated to his idol, Trump. Mm -hmm. So time and time again, you had him stoking these flames of extremism. And then um, we wondered, well, how could it go this way? How could it come this far? Well, this protest was not random. Everyone knows when the votes are counted in Congress. Um, this is an event that happens every four years. Um, it's a rubber stamp event, but it is still a solemn and sacred event. It is the people's business. You've probably heard this time and time again this week. It was planned that this um, protest was gonna happen on the 6th. Um, at, at its most innocent form, it was intimidation. Like before they even ran out into the, the Capitol Hill, this was meant to intimidate Republicans, not Democrats. Democrats didn't care about what these people were thinking. Um, it was to intimidate Republicans that you should toe the party line, the Trump party line. And then after that, um, then the bad stuff started happening. Trump said a couple of words wrong after already inflaming these people for three and a half years, excuse me, more than three and a half years, about four years. And you had mixed into that the the extremist end of the Republican party that they didn't want to disavow because they're losing elections because of that. And we'll get into that Senate talk later, but 
all of that, all of that equals bad times for, for what's to come. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause before we get into what happened in Capitol Hill and get let your um, let you get some thoughts on on that. But that's how we got to this point. Okay, um, I, I agree with you with just about everything you said. But there was something that you just said that that made me raise up in my seat when you said Trump said a few words wrong. And I'm assuming that you mean that he just said some words wrong, you know, instead of like he made a mistake and 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 used words in a way in which, you know, the nah, I didn't say he made a mistake. No, 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 no I know. But it was, it, was, it, was, it, was the, it was the way that you said he said a few words wrong. Like, I, you know, he, he just said a few words wrong. Personally, I, I believe that, you know, and, and like you said, we'll get it. We'll get into the actual Capitol Hill thing. But now we're talking about what led up to it. Um, Trump has given people the permission to act out who they really are, you know, since he started campaigning. You know, after eight years of Obama and um, and, a, and a lot of other things that go along with that, um, too much to get into right now, um, people felt relieved to be able to take off their mask and be who they really are and not have to bite their tongue. Going all the way back to when he was running, you know, he, he, he chose to say words that we perceive to be wrong, but, are, but, but appear to be right in the minds and in the lives of those Trump, Trumpites and you know, extreme right um, conservatives. Um, Trump has stoked the fire you know, since he said he was going to run. Everything that, that, that goes on now after this Capitol insurrection, um, or even before the Capitol insurrection, was already set in the motion. This was, you know, I, that's why I said, you know, I, and, and I don't mean to offend, and if I do, you know, deal with it. Um, <laughs> that's why I kind of laughed at all of this. You know, I turn on the news, and finally, there's something, and I don't mean finally like, whew, good. I mean, finally, there's something that, that they're not talking about coronavirus anymore. Everything is... Everything is insurrection. Everything is, you know, right now I got I got the um, the news muted, you know, and it's the 25th Amendment. It's uh, the impeachment orders. It's this and this and that and that. You know, Trump has done it again. I got to give the man credit on one thing. He knows how to steer the media into uh, one direction or the other, because that whole event is taking is taking the media, turn the media, at least American mainstream media media into another direction, you know. Trump has set the course. No, let me rephrase that. Trump has given people permission to be who they really are. And in the course of doing so, people, we are starting to see how divided this country really is. You know, so I- Yeah, and yeah I agree that, um, that he's allowed for people to unmask themselves and show who they really are. Um, I, I wanna go back to the media bit. Um, the media has a job, um, and I like I released a uh, I released a, a picture this week um, from one uh, organization that analyzes media and, and racks and stacks them, shows their bias and things of that effect. Uh, media has a job, generally speaking. Um, like, let me let me rephrase. Certain media have the job of inflaming certain things, 
in other media's job, the, the true media's job is to inform people of what's going on. Um, absent opinion. Absent opinion, exactly. Um, and that media, that absent of opinion media was the media of old. Um, that was the media that you probably grew up on, the media that was made to, con or the news that was made to consume with your family so you could understand the world that you're living in. Exactly. The advent of, like, the advent of ratings um, as it pertains to news created this media ecosystem that is driven by bias and by, um, by ratings. So you're right, Trump is a ratings genius. He knows how to to uh, to get people in a frenzy. I don't think that this was planned though. Um, other things I think he's done on purpose, but this particular thing, I don't think he planned for the media that came after it. Okay, and and I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. I don't think he expected that they were gonna be talking about getting rid of him within two weeks of him leaving. No. He didn't plan for that. No. He was watching gleefully, mind you. He was watching gleefully as this was happening and then his daughter was like, hey, hey, hey. This ain't good. <laughs> you, you need to say something or they're going to fuck you up. Yeah. And after that, then he like, then he like, he reluctantly released that first video and realized, oh, that wasn't enough. There was backlash from that. And so he had to release the second one. This was after he was suspended from uh, Twitter. We'll get into that later. What? I want to kind of key in on what you said was the fact that the work, like the, the media has less to do with this than they have less to do with this actual event, but more to do with our reaction to this event um, than we're talking about. And when I talk about our reaction to it, because they've beat this drum about Trump being Hitler for the last four years, when Trump actually does something that is catastrophic. Republicans recoil into their shell and they say, nope, it's the, the left media, they're against us. And liberals are like, ah, oh, we told you, we told you. But do, do you think, and, and I'm, I just want to ask a question here, do you, don't you think in some way the media is complicit with Trump, be it right-wing media or left-wing? And what I mean by that is that by giving this man, even though he's the president of the United States, but giving him a bigger platform than, you, than you've given any president before, don't you think they, they hold some level of complicity in, in everything that led up to this? I'm not saying that, that it's 50-50 or, or even 80-20, but the media shares a role in this. When there's got, I heard, uh, I went on BBC today and um, a plane crashed from Indonesia. They, they suspected it as crash. Yeah. I haven't seen that on any of the news outlets, American mainstream news outlets. But what I have seen is Trump and the conversation revolving around Trump. It's like Trump is the spider in the middle of the web and everything else goes out from it. So, yeah, you know, but I guess I, the, what, okay, go ahead. Here's the thing. Every president has had this power in the past. He just uses it. Like there's something called the bully pulpit. The bully pulpit is literally the, the commander in chief saying something and the media reverberating it and reverberating, uh, reverberating it. And it beats you over the head and it bullies you into complying or at least addressing what the president is talking about. That's what the bully pulpit is. It is the media that. in the hands of the president. But what I'm saying is in this situation with, with Trump and th with this president, 
And we've seen more or heard more news about this president in four years than we did about Obama in eight. This, 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 look, if you, if you, if you look at, if you look at like how shows are set up and I'm just going to use CNN for an example, you know, with, with Don Lemon and, and, and um, the one whose brother's in New York, uh, the mayor of New York or governor of New York or whatever, and uh, the situation room, all of it is revolving around, you know, dislike for Trump, where Fox is the other way. And I know you don't want to spend too much time on this, but I was just asking the question, do you think that the media plays a role in everything that goes on? Because if I say something, and I understand the bully pulpit, I understand that completely. But if I constantly regurgitate what's being said from the bully pulpit to the masses, stoking fires and putting them out, don't I have a responsibility? Don't I well, share yeah. a responsibility and what, what happens after that? Yeah, you deserve some share of the blame for what has happened, but like I can't blame all media for the ecosystem no, of no, one no, media. No, so I'm not blame, no, no, I'm not saying blame all no, media. but I no, but let me let, let me because I do agree with a portion of what you're saying. I just think it needs to be very focused. Oh well, yeah, so, I can, yeah, I can I can I can zero in on, on, on that target. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I can make it a real tight shot grouping um, of the ones that are, 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 you know, leading the uh, the charge in this area because, you you know, I saw the post that you made with the, uh, I had to take a screenshot and blow it up because I couldn't see all the ones that were in the middle, you know, and BBC was one of the ones that was in the middle um, and a couple of other ones. And I agree with you. It, it, it's not the whole media. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, disparage the whole media, but there are some that do share, I feel, responsibility and a lot of things that go on. I don't go on. Yeah, and, and I agree that the media does share um, in <clears throat> some of the derangement. Um, that they, I think they call it Trump derangement syndrome um, that goes on um, on these news outlets because they know he's must-see TV. Um, they know that, that emotion settles. And he is a master of eliciting emotions, whether it be rage, or happiness from one side or fear from another, emotions get ratings. Um, and so, yeah, most of the media has been focused in on him, but I, I, would, I would say that any president could have this power should they choose to wield it. He has just used and used and used the same weapon to the point that he, like that probably, and you're gonna hate me for saying this, but this is kind of why Biden won because they don't want to think about who the president is because they don't want to, they they want to they want to feel like they're back to normal and they're in a safe space. Fools. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. I'm, not even, I'm not even gonna bite off that piece of cake. <laughs> anyway, <I'm> like... <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. Like you know, no, no, I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you today. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So everyone can feel nice and safe. All right. So <laughs> let's get into uh, let's get into another topic. Uh, so this week uh, we had some history made in Georgia. Oh, sweet Georgia. So Georgia uh, had a runoff election and um, much to the chagrin and surprise of the. Um, well, I guess most of uh, I won't say chagrin, but I guess surprise of most of media. Um, Democrats pulled it out and man, was it a, what is it? What was awesome about it was that it proved 
what I've been saying about policy being right. And that's if you have a policy for the people, the people will come. And so uh, what we saw was an upending of a red, a truly red, red state turning completely blue. Um, and I wanted to get uh, how you felt about that. And we'll, we'll talk about some analysis about that in a second. Um, Georgia is my second home. I spent summers there as a kid. Every other summer I was there. I was stationed at Fort Benning. Um, I love Georgia, you know, and, and for this reason more so because Georgia is a state <clears throat> with people in it that go so unnoticed, you know, and they, they have a reputation of, you know, of um, being backwoods, cousin to Alabama, you know, and, and, and it's so not true. And to see Georgia stand up the way it did between November and last week was, was wonderful. You know, um, I celebrate the fact that history was made. Um, I won't allow myself to get over, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, over enthused about it. But I will celebrate the moment. You know, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, you know, Warnock and Oaf, you know, it... In my humble opinion, if if what's her name, uh, the one that owns the uh, the basketball team, uh, Loeffler, Loeffler, if Loeffler would have won, you know that would have spoke volumes. You know, this is a woman who um, who benefited off of coronavirus. You know, who um, did some backdoor trading and everything. You know, so if she would have won, that would have spoke volumes about the state and the people therein. But for the most part, and to sum it up. You know, I'm I'm glad that history was made. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic going forward, hoping that they can maintain the blueness in the, in the future elections. But uh, I'm going to enjoy the moment as it stands right now. Yeah, and I I, I agree. I, I do enjoy what's what's happened. Um, my view of the future, um, or rather, from the validation I have of the past, and I'll get into that in a second. And my view of the future. Um, it's hopeful. And it's not because of the policy that these people can enact. I, I know that there are serious huddles, hurdles um, in the way in the future um, to enact the kind of legislation that I would enjoy. Um, but um, in the past, if you guys are first time listeners, I've talked about how policy should lead politics um, and not people leading politics. It's the reason why I've been such an, uh, why I am a progressive and why um, I was such a, a big Bernie supporter um, was because of policy, um, not me, us, policy that affects the people, a kind of populism, if you will, progressive populism. Um, so why does this election in Georgia speak to what I spoke to in the past? Well, because this Georgian fight came down to one thing and one thing only, and that's whether or not you're going to take care of the people. Are you going to give them the money they need to survive, not thrive? survive and you had a president at like and thanks thanks trump for this he actually sided with bernie sanders mm -hmm. which again we can get into how i've been right about how populism is the future oh, and how bernie sanders God. is a candidate but he sided with him because the writing was on the wall if you don't take care of the people the people will get rid of you and more and more, I was hoping that this would be the case. Now, 
this is a very extreme case because we have literally people against the wall. Um, they're going to get evicted. They're, they're going to lose more jobs. Women lost the most jobs in December. Um, like 161,000 jobs were lost in December. 156, excuse me, 100, about 150,000 of those jobs were women losing those jobs. Actually, there was a net gain of men gaining 60,000 jobs. So I think it was like women losing more like 180,000 jobs and men gaining 60,000 jobs. Like, so it, it ended up being a net loss. I mean, my math is wrong here, but men got some, women lost a lot. And when women are the backbone of your society, and we're getting to Georgia in a second, this is going to hurt. Now, Georgia, the backbone of the Georgian election went to, and uh, like went to get grassroots, um, grassroots movement, which again, Bernie. But we have to say thank you to somebody that I actually don't like at all um, because of how she was so willing to sell out um, for uh, Bloomberg. Um, she was willing to, to be on his payroll and I'll like, sorry, my memory is not that short. She did something good in Georgia, but she also tried to sell out the Democratic Party. She's still a corporatist in this way um, until she proves otherwise. Stacey Abrams. Now, I have, like I said, I don't like her, but she did her job in getting people in office um, that are going to uh, participate and help the people. So I have to give her her roses now. So everybody can get out of my face about it. Nah, we're not gonna get out of your face. <laughs> we're not gonna yeah. get out of your face. But I mean, I, I'm I'm grateful for everything that she did, and you know, in spite of your disdain for her, you know, she showed up when it counted, when no one else did. You know, don't say no one else did. Well, you, what what I mean? No, I'm gonna say it. Well, go ahead. Why, why not say like, when no one else did? She 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 has been putting she had her boots on the ground long before this past year. She's not new. Are you gonna say she's new? No, that's not what I'm gonna say. But keep I'm going. Talking, I'm talking about as far as Georgia is concerned. She is putting mm -hmm. work with these organizations to get people out to vote. That's all I'm saying. And I and I congratulate the sister for doing so. And I'm not gonna disparage her in this moment of success i'm not know, disparaging by, by bringing up something she did in the past see this is why i hate politics what you just did right there but i'm going to show you i'm going to show you why you hate this too what you just did i'm going to show you why you hate what what you just talked what you just did so okay. um last night or actually two nights ago um lindsey graham got on on the TV and said that That's what Trump did was animal. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I know wait, you wait, wait, wait. That's a whole nother. That is a go ahead. Go ahead. Lindsey Graham got on the TV and said Trump did a terrible thing. He's terrible for what he's done. Like he he should have never done all of that talking, blah, 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 blah. Like it's a it's a terrible thing, and we need to we need to move forward. Now his message now, like. Trump's message now is is kind. It's gentle. It's smart. He's he's now uh, doing a smooth transition, and we should reward the fact that he's doing what the right thing now. We should ignore all the bad stuff he did in the past. He's I'm, doing I'm, the right I'm, thing no, no, now. No, 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 no. no. You know what? Your your beef with Stacey Abrams, and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, your beef with Stacey Abrams is because of her corporate affiliation, correct? 
Absolutely. Every politician okay, who has okay. corporate affiliations, I hate. Okay, okay, great. So corporate affiliation versus Lindsay, no, Stacey Graham and corporate affiliation versus Lindsey Graham and Trump. Come on, man. They're not even, they're not only- um, you're, you're, you're getting too, you're getting too lost in the sauce. I'm talking about the messaging. I'm talking about ignoring people's past for what they're doing in the present. You cannot be a prisoner of the moment. I'm not being a prisoner of the moment. I am willing to go out on a limb. I'm willing to go out on a limb. Hear me out. I'm willing to go out on a limb and say, and Stacey Abrams has probably collectively done more good than Lindsey Graham has ever done. That's not your, see, again, you're getting too lost in the idea that I'm using. Because you don't like her because of, uh, I'm not going to say dislike her. You have you have disparages against her because of her corporate affiliation or any party who has corporate affiliation. Exactly. Okay. So, but but let's just let's just agree to disagree on this one. I think that Stacey Abrams and and has done a, a good thing. I think she yes. will continue to. I think that she will continue to do a good continue to do. We'll good see. Thing. Um, far as Lindsey Graham. That ship is strong. I, I don't want to talk. I use Lindsey Graham as a I know, as I, know you used it as exa- I know you used him as an example or, or, or you know, a piece of a formula in order to prove your point. However, I just don't believe, I think that she is willing to do more good, you know, and hopefully, you know, whatever past she's had, she won't revert back to it. Well, um, I honestly, I don't care what she does um, from here on out. Like that's, that's really not, the point. The point for me is that I want to give her her flowers for doing what she had to do to get people who actually cared about the people elected in Georgia. Um, what she does from here, job well I, done. Could give sh- I couldn't give a shit less about job, job um, well. I hope she continues to fight to keep people going after vote because there are going to be more elections ahead. Well, yeah, like, and that's and that's kind of what I want to talk about with this Georgia thing. And that's why Georgia is such a problem and why, you know, we need to keep our eye on the prize. And the eye on the prize isn't Senate. It's gerrymandering it's the disenfranchisement of voters um so the reason why Stacey abrams came to mind was because her election for governor was tainted by the stain of disenfranchising voters getting rid of voter rolls making extra hurdles for people to be able to vote the right to vote has been uh well made less of a right and more of a privilege um and I applaud her from taking that loss and turning it into a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, and the people that won, now I will, now we can get into that. The people that won, a reverend and a Jewish man from Georgia. Damn. <laughs> Imagine about, that. Yeah. Talk about two rarities happening one time. First, um, Jewish senator from the South, um, excuse me, from Georgia. I don't think it's from the South in general. Actually, it might be from the South. And then the first black senator from Georgia. Amazing. Amazing. Um, So I think there's an opportunity there to show people, you know, powers and representation, um, to show um, black children, to show Jewish children that, hey, there is a future for you in this party. Um, And as much as I don't like the Democratic Party, it's, it's great. And, and not only that, you know, just to piggyback on what you just said, it shows that the, it shows that, that things don't always have to remain the same. You know, that things do change, don't become complacent, you know, are stagnant, you know, um, dig a trench, change the flow or the direction of the way things are going, you know, because 
like you. I mean, I I was optimistic. I was hopeful. But when when the verdict finally came down that um, that those two won, I was like, wow, they pulled it off. You know, and to me, it it is it is amazing. You know, it truly is. And I just hope that, uh, like you said, I hope people don't get complacent because there's still a lot of work left to be done. Yeah, and to I think that actually leads right into our next topic, and that's the new Congress. Um, so um, the 172nd Congress, I believe. I think so. Um, that's coming up is it has some, they have some work to do. Um, let's put the insurrection and impeachment stuff to the side. You know, we have the coronavirus new strain that's about to go exponential, mark my words on that. Um, we have um, an economy um, that no longer depends on the, the consumption of goods by the population, which means that it's completely divorced of the poverty of the population, which is a problem that they're gonna to have to address. We have big tech, it's a problem that they're gonna to have to address. We have healthcare that they absolutely have to address. Yeah, um, so there are many things um, for the new Congress to address. So my first question to you, um, and um, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot is, what, what are your prospects for this new Congress and, and how do you think this is gonna go? My feelings towards it is it should go smooth if they listen, and I'm going to say this, if they listen to the younger uh, congressmen, if they, um, if they are open-minded, if they are willing to um, take chances and do things differently, you know, uh, take, take, take a page from history and realize that you can't continue to do the same thing. You can't put a Band-Aid you know, on an open wound and expect it to heal. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, you, you spoke briefly, uh, you mentioned um, this new strand. Um, once this new strand hits America, and it, and it already has, you know, uh, a few cases that I've heard about, you know, we ain't, we're still dealing with the old strand. You know, something is going to have to be done about that. But more importantly, and well, I'm going to say equally, not more importantly, is the poverty. You know, the, um, the, the unequal and the biasness when it comes to poverty, you know, in, in, in places, you know, throughout America has to be dealt with. You know, I've seen something today that kind of, and you may be able to correct me on this, because um, I could have sworn that Biden had mentioned something about $50,000 $50, forgiveness for student loans. Um, Today I saw where now it's 10,000, you know, so um, a lot of things are going to have to be done, man. I mean, I, everything needs to be addressed immediately, but I know they're not going to be able to get to everything immediately. So it gets to the point to what's more important. And usually what's important to the average man um, walking the streets of any city in any anywhere America is not what's important to those who are in Congress, you know, and that's where I, I will agree with you when it comes to the uh, corporate uh, affiliations. You know, um, the corporations have received, received more consideration than um, the average Joe walking down the street or are, are on hold from, for unemployment. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You touched on like a, a few things that like are near and dear to my heart. Um, let's go back. Like I'll, I'll go backwards. So you were talking about corporatism. Um, the threat of corporatism is still there, America, um, or anybody who's listening. Um, corporations own a lot of Democrats too. Like it's not a Republican problem. It's a money problem. Um, and just because liberals have co-opted the message of the people doesn't mean they're actually doing things for the people. I'll give you guys an example because my memory isn't that bad. I mean, I've, I have, I've gotten a couple of concussions, but I take notes. Like, so look back to good old 2008. Everyone was so happy and excited, hopeful. Mm, yes, we Dare can. Say, yes, we can. But no, you could not. Because no, we did Yeah, because 2008, you're right. You're right. Let me rephrase. No, you didn't. Because no, from 2008 didn't. to 2010, the Democrats had the presidency, House, and Senate. And what did they do? And they also, had, they also had the Supreme Court. Not a damn thing. They did nothing. And so I'm looking at this Congress like, yo, we need to get some heavy hitters and some, some realness in there that, in, and I can't say like realness in there, like we can change the people, but at least change some of these, uh, these, these committee, uh, these committee assignments so that we get people who can actually do things, who want to do things, who have a movement to do things in there. Uh, so I'm excited about one particular person, as you guys probably know. Um, but, and, and that's for a particular reason, because this, this committee is really important uh, for the budget. But I want people to be careful because you're going to start hearing something. And it's like, oh, the deficit. Oh, man, we got to get rid of the, the deficit. Don't listen to that bullshit. Like, they weren't concerned about the deficit when they printed, printed a trillion dollars back in April for businesses. Like, and I'm not talking about the small businesses. I'm talking about the big businesses. They weren't concerned about the budget during the CARES Act where they front loaded billions with a B for businesses and then left small, small businesses to fend for themselves and gave you $1,200 and told you make it work for eight months. Nah, see that deficit bullshit, that, that's the illusion of scarcity. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be kind of wonky for a second. Uh, like I'm gonna talk real economics here for a second. The idea of scarcity is the idea that because we don't have a lot for something, we need to put a premium on it. So the, the, simple, the simplest form of economics are low supply, high demand means high price, right? Well. This idea of scarcity is that because we don't have a lot of A, we need to ration it or we need to reserve it for only the most extreme cases. Now, what A is right now is money. And we're talking about national money, taxation, things like that, not what's money, money in your pocket. What Politicians are going to try to say is that America is bankrupt. America has no money. And this is a lie. It's the illusion of scarcity. America, yes, is in, uh, is, has a deficit. But there is no circumstance where America makes so much money that it's like, oh, wow, we, we have more money now. So we can just give out more money. 
They're never going to do that, people. Especially in this circumstance, there needs to be austerity spending. There needs to be deficit spending. And I'll tell you why. Because if you do not spend money to take care of people during this deficit, I eventually, eventually, the deficit that people are experiencing are going to affect business in such a way that businesses can't recover either. And by that time, there is nothing that the government can do to support the entirety of economy of the economy. I'll, I'll end on this as far as this uh, wonky talk is concerned. The government just spent, what, $750 billion on the military, on the defense budget. If they have that much money during a deficit to spend more money to the next five countries combined, they have enough money to take care of you. That's true. I just, I, I, I enjoy the wonkiness for the record. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always learn something during the wonkiness. Um, and I'm getting ready to uh, pick your brain for a second in regards to the wonkiness. Okay, so the government bails out these corporations, these businesses and everything. I'm talking about the scarcity, scarcity of deficit. Um, these businesses don't go out of business because they're depending on the government and not the consumer. So the consumer is left out because the consumer, the consumer can't buy anything because they have to focus on rent, you know, food, medicine, whatever, <clears throat> whatever the case may be. So I don't understand how this system ever breaks because as long as they throw a few crumbs out there to the consumer, but yet reserve loaves of bread for the corporation, what's keeping them from ever breaking the system? This is, this is, this what, and, and I guess what I'm getting to, um, this is business as usual. And Tying it back to uh, the Congress, what we expect from the Congress are what should be, what's what's to keep them from continuing to do that, doing that. I mean, because January as 6th, you say, January sixth, January sixth is what's what's going to keep it from happening. Now, make them say January sixth was awful, but that was something that was spurred on by a lie. Imagine what will happen if millions of people realize that no help is coming, that they're hopeless, that the government doesn't care about them. You don't have a country. Those people will march. And the the extreme left people, the extreme leftists, we have a we have a phrase, like, and I won't say we because I'm not an extremist, but the left has a phrase that how about how they feel about you know corporations getting all everything and the people getting nothing. Hashtag eat the rich. So they believe that okay, if the government won't give us anything and the corporations are gonna continue to take everything, then we'll eat them. We will drag them from their corporate offices and they will pay on the streets. Isn't and that what true, Occupy Wall Street was about? Yeah. Yes. Was that like the beginning? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, and extremism aside, this is how like um, it can change. And I'm, I'm saying this from, again, a wonky point of view. We can do budget reconciliation to take some of the money away from those corporations. Uh, we can we can raise the tax rate to tax the people who receive the money from those corporations. Um, we can make sure that they don't get another red cent from uh, from American taxpayers um, while they're still um, while they're still making money. Um, 
I contend that we have been far too lenient with corporations um, at the risk of our own government function. And here's why people, people seem to think that allowing corporations to make money helps everybody else. That's not true. 50% of Americans are hired by small business. Like if small businesses aren't there, then these people are having to work for corporations, but the corporate, even corporations have their limits to employment. Like even they have some limitation to um, how many people that they can hire. And that, that's for a reason because they have only so much money that they wanna pay out to people. If, if corporations had unlimited money to hire people, then they would, they would still hire the least amount of people possible so they can keep all the money for themselves. Right. Like it, it, the, the concept doesn't make sense to me um, that you would ignore um, the plight of the people. Now, there are some corporate Democrats um, who do. And of course, there are corporate Republicans who do. Not saying all Republicans are corporate, not saying all Democrats are por- corporate, but majority of both parties are. And those are the true enemies of the people. So, yeah. So, um, how. How can we force government to take care of people? Well, it's to stay engaged in the process, to continue to pressure on your politicians to do the right thing. Now, that's obviously more difficult when your party is in power. Um, But the margins of power for this political system right now is very thin, For at least for the Senate, it's very thin. For the House, it's it's thin as well, um, but not as thin as the Senate. There's one vote difference. Kamala Harris's vote changes one side to the other. Um, also Joe Manchin, who I hate, like he also is going to be important. The independent vote, uh, vote in the Senate is going to be important. Um, so I'll give you an example, the $2,000 checks. Um, Joe Manchin says, uh, he's the Senator from West Virginia. He says, no, not going to happen. We need to do something with the coronavirus first. Um, he should probably take a poll of his state, 88% of his state actually believe that that two thousand dollars we need that give me that run me my money so um that's what it's going to take it's going to take people continuing to pressure um their own home state politicians to do what they're supposed to do to take care of them um and to take a step back i want to talk about my prediction for for the congress sorry um i I don't want to get too lost in the sauce and then not i'm telling you guys what i expect so what i'm looking forward to um good old uncle bernie is in charge of um, the budgetary committee and why this is important. Um, the power of the checkbook is what the Senate is. And as much as people may not like his messaging or didn't vote for him, luckily for you, he's not petty. Um, so he's going to be the leader of that fight to make sure everyone gets that $2,000 at the minimum. Because it is my view, and I'm not running for office, but I'm just going to tell you, it's my view that people need to get retroactively $2,000 a month for the duration of the coronavirus. So from May of last year, when the real shutdown, yeah, shutdown began, $2,000 every single month so that you do not have to worry about going out and getting sick. But what Congress also has to do is they have to they also have to take care of the stopgap between healthcare because most people were were depending on their employee, uh, their employer provided healthcare. Well, no job means no healthcare. No healthcare means no health. No health means your death. 
So in a pandemic, I can't think of something that's more important. So that will also be on the books. Like we're going to, we're going to talk about those survival checks. We're going to talk about a stopgap for healthcare um, or lowering that Medicare age again and again and again. Um, and I have my own. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question real quick. Has Bernie spoke about doing these things that you're, that you're talking about? Yeah. Has he mentioned that this is going to be his plan going forward in that? Order? Yes, actually. He was on the news last week or he was on the news on Thursday. Um, talking about how, um, he, immediately is going to be thinking about bu uh, budget reconciliation, um, which is going to kind of restructure the money so that people are um, given the, uh, are given the checks and the money that they need um, that um, the house has already passed a few things that reference uh, healthcare stop gaps, but that's going to be open for debate um, should Schumer. So uh, I think it's you, a good idea. What do you um, foresee? So, and what do you foresee? Again? What do you foresee as obstacles for that? to actually come to play, Bernie's plan. Um, the obstacles for the $2,000 check, I don't think there's any obstacles for that because there are people on the Republican side that um, feel the same way. Um, so I think that there's that, but the messaging about deficit is definitely gonna be an issue um, because all of a sudden people care about how much money the government has, which is completely ridiculous. Um, what about the healthcare? The healthcare, okay, so the big problem with the healthcare is structurally, how is that gonna work? Um, there's been so much negative information about um, uh, Medicare for all um, that that it you have it's poisons the well. You have to really convince people like that this is something that that's going to help them. Um, so that's going to be a messaging campaign, um, but it's also going to be something that has to be repassed in the House and debated in the House, which is why I was so upset that Pelosi got reelected um, for Speaker of the House because she has no guts. Um, to, yeah, I'm, to, I'm not a fan of her either. Yeah. So, um, but that that's still possible. Like it can go backwards. It can go from Senate to house, then house back to Senate. Um, but it needs to come up. Um, there's other ways it can come up. It can come up and just simply um, saying, oh, we're going to lower the Medicare age to 40, then 30, then 20. And you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a way we can get to Medicare for all without saying it's Medicare for all. We can just say, oh, we're just giving you the option earlier right um so and everyone's paying into that anyway you're you're already paying taxes to take care of medicare so um the idea that you know everyone can't use it well everyone's going to use it eventually once you hit that age so it's possible to do it that way um another major obstacle of of this congress is well having too much power and not and and fearing being persecuted for the power that you used um, and that, I, I think that was the problem with the 2008 to 2010 Congress. They were, they had so much power that they were worried that, you know, if they did too much, people could bludgeon them over the head with it, uh, which is stupid. Um, like you need to use the power that you have while you have it before you're rendered powerless. I think um, a lot of that has to do with, and I know this might be a little off topic, but on topic, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's no term regulation. Everyone's afraid. Boom. No, everyone's afraid that they won't get reelected. So they don't want to, you know, they rather do hand to hand combat instead of just pulling out their gun and shooting. You know, they don't want to, you know, show their power, like you said, because they're afraid that they may upset some folks and it may cost them election. There needs to be t that should be something that should be on the books. Term regulation. You shouldn't uh, being a senator or a congressman shouldn't be in a, a lifetime appointment. 
you know, you should get six years or somewhere thereabouts. But yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. I agree. I agree with that. I'll take it a step further. I also think that congressmen and senators should only be paid for the days that they work. Um, oh. I don't believe that there there should be like and and also their pension plan is a little too nice. Like, uh, if people can't get that, then you can't get that. You work for the people. Why should the people be paying for you for the rest of your life? Like, unless you're the president, get that shit out of here. So like, what's the pension plan for for a congressman? They're paid for the rest of their life. They're paid their salary as a congressman for the rest a of their percentage life. Of their, a, a percentage of their salary and their health care. So they do. So you're a one-term congressman. You get voted into Congress, but yet, you know, you don't get reelected. He gets a pension for that. Yeah, and I'm going to read to you the pension benefits. The pension, the pension value for um, Senate um, is they get up to 80 percent of the member's final salary. Um, so the salary for the the Congress is one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars a year. Um, at 80%, they get uh, $139,000 a year, $139,000 a year uh, for the rest of their life. Um, they also receive um, social security. Um, and then as far as the benefits, how they've changed, um, a lot of them have had to uh, move, their, move their money into a kind of a private IRA or, or retirement plan. Um, but for the most part, they're they're set. Like they could get Congress uh, and and never have to work again um, if they just have a, a a modest lifestyle. That's that's excuse me. That shit is crazy. They get elected one time, don't get reelected. They get to care. Yeah, man, it's one hundred thirty nine thousand dollars a year for the rest of their lives. You know, when you got people out here starving and homeless, people who fought for this country, you know, suffering from all forms of, you know, post-traumatic stress and concussions and everything else. If that, if that, if that, you know, and I, did, and I, I admit ignorance on that. I didn't know, you know, but that, that should be common knowledge right there. Everyone should know that, you know, and it's, it's sad. I mean, no, it's 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 frustrating and it, and it really pisses me off to think that someone like Mitch McConnell, who is the senator of my state, um, <laughs> man, I, I don't even have the words how pissed off I am just thinking about you know the things that the, that these people get away with and yeah. the common man suffers, you know. But yeah, well, that's so, why, that's also why Congress has the lowest approval rating of any government body. Um, but who cares? Who who cares if you approve? I wouldn't give a damn if someone approved of me if I was still getting paid. You think they really care about that approval rate? That's why McConnell doesn't give a shit about you. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. like, right, right. <laughs> Why would you give a damn about me? You know, but yeah, yeah, it's just crazy, man. But I mean, like in McConnell's case, like, in, and I, we're we're kind of jumping off the rails. But in McConnell's yeah, yeah. case, what's interesting is that he or his wife was in the president's cabinet. Mm -hmm. um, she was the, hmm, she was like commerce? Transportation, was she? Transportation, yeah. Transportation, transportation secretary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, she, and, she, and, she, and she resigned. Oh my. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was quiet. Yeah, she 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 resigned. You know what? Thirteen days before he was to get out because she had had enough. Yeah. After yeah, like, and a half, yeah, after, after, yeah, you know, after three and a half years, low bar there. Yeah, woo, don't trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's how yeah, low that You can trip over it. You know. But um, like finishing up on our our congressional point, like it's it's going to be really important that people keep the pressure on their congressman. There's two years. We have two years to get stuff done. Um, and the first 100 days is the, the most powerful, uh, it, it will be the most powerful that the president will ever be. Yeah. So um, for, so we have about 111 days to get everything that we need and want from our government. Um, and the way to do that is nonstop calling, nonstop phone banking, um, making sure that you're mailing your, your congressman, your, your senator. Um, but it also means staying engaged. The, le- the, the fight isn't over once the election is won. No, this is where the fight begins because all you were doing for the election was choosing your fighter. That's like on Street Fighter, choosing Ryu and then putting the controller down and letting yourself get beat to death. Yeah. No, you got to keep the controller in your hand yeah. and, and keep throwing those jabs. That's exactly what I meant by the, the the fight just started. It's just begun. We have to stay engaged, you know, and, and it's taken me a while to get to this point, you know, and, and I still hold the, the frame of mind. I don't put, I don't put unrealistic expectations on people or on anything for that matter. But um, I am really hoping that your party, the progressives step up. I hope that uh, more of them uh, get elected. I hope people start listening more instead of uh, relying on their old ways of doing things. Because if the people in Congress and Senate, the House, whatever, um, don't listen to the people whose future is uh, further off than those that are already there, then you know we're going to find ourselves right back in the same situation in two to four years from now. You know, nothing will be done. You know, so you know, the, uh, the power is with the youth right now. You know, because... Uh, some of these older cats, you know, Pelosi, Schumer, Graham, McConnell, you know, even Bernie, for that matter, even though he's he's more progressive than them, you know, um, time is numbered, man. You know, you got to yeah. you got to start grooming the next the next stage in order to uh, keep this thing going. You know, so. Well, that that that's actually a problem that Congress is having. They have no progression plan. Um, and people are telling uh, people are telling AOC, you should run against the speaker, you should run for speakership. And she said, look, I don't know how to do everything she does. No one does. That's a problem. These well, are, they're, being gate, they're being gatekeepers. Um, mm-hmm. They're preventing people from knowing so that they- that's, And that's by, that's by design. That's by design. Absolutely. You know, how do, how do you keep your job? You make sure no one else can do your job. Oh yeah, uh, I employ that idea. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, I find out how everyone else does it, then I do it better, and then I change the rules. Yeah, exactly. So that no one can do what I can do. Um, like and that's follow the country though in this regard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is different. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you can doom your country in that in that way. Um, and also I just think the power has been in one hand for too long, one generation's hands for too long, and not to get into ageism. Yeah, yeah. I think we did this around this time last year. Um, we did, <laughs> we did, but um, and you know, to to a degree, 
now I agree with you. You know, it's time to start grooming and handing over the keys, you know, to the next generation. Uh, or at least, you know, take them on walks with you, let them know what's going on and how let them handle it in their own way. You know, so. Yeah, am, just stop being so threatened by the fact that you're going to die. Like, I think that, like, and this sounds off, that sounds like a very big extreme, but, like, I think for Bernie Sanders, he he is very much aware of his mortality. That's why it seems like he is so desperate to get these things done before he dies. That's why he was so desperate to get these justice Democrats elected. Cory Bush, uh, Bowman, AOC, uh, Tlaib, uh, Omar, um, I'm forgetting the the black woman from uh, Ibram, uh, uh, man, that's gonna bother me that I forgot her name. Um, I'll probably remember it once I stop trying to remember it. But that's why he was so desperate to get these kinds of people elected because he knew that his days were numbered and there there had to be a new guard that were going to come up and take care of the people. And for her or Ayanna Presley from Massachusetts. Um, so like right now that squad sits at six, six progressives um, that are engaged with trying to, to, to give the power back to the people. Um, they're not young, but they're younger. Um, and, but, and they're all in the House of Representatives. So, you know, I would like to see more progressives in, um, in the Senate, but it's much, much harder. The Senate is a monster of a difference. Um, than the house the house is more um, divided politically um, it's it's more extreme each member can be more extreme um, than the senate whereas senate you have to appeal um, to more people um, in your state so um, the the i think the difference is uh, actually uh ringing back to what we began with was that um the reverend um warnock warnock, warnock. and um ossoff uh from georgia um they're actually quite progressive. Um, so I'm excited to see them blocking with Bernie um, and seeing what can be done um, to move the people's rights forward. You know what, and, so, and, and to, to, just to add on to that, you said about Warnock and also, I think, a lot, I think a lot of people are more progressive than they allude to once they realize and understand what it, what being a progressive means. You know, I exactly. think there's people, I think there's people that are probably already in Congress who want to know it's okay to be progressive. You know what I'm saying? Bingo. If that makes any sense. You know, um, you know, just just like Trump gave people permission to show how bigoted and ignorant they are, you know, maybe some of these um people in Congress and in the Senate need permission to, to see that it's okay to um, actually give a damn about the people. I'll end this conversation with this. The one way that we can get to that point is by taking money out of politics. Once you limit the amount of money that can be um, used for a political campaign, you immediately begin taking lobbyists out of the process. Once you take lobbyists out of the process, people are permitted to do what they want to do because they're not worried about how much money they're gonna get from their corporate backing. Um, we take money, money out of politics and we begin to see what people really are um, as far as legislators. really are, yeah, I agree. Um, so let's uh, let's wrap up uh, this week with some good stuff. It's been a long time since we did a good stuff segment. 
Yes, and dude. we got to begin the year with something good. So please, oh, don't be your dad of mine. Tell well, me. You put me, you're, put me on the spot with that one. Good stuff. Well, you know what? I'll take that back. There's some good stuff. Um, outside of the fact that I uh, woke up this morning. Um, I'm optimistic about this year, man. I really am. Um, last year was rough for a whole lot of different reasons. And I know a lot of people can identify and relate to that. You know, um, for me personally, you know, um, your brother, your little brother, he's, uh, he's gone to basic training. Um, it just so happens that he's gone to basic where I did basic and my AIT. Um, and he'll be doing the same AIT as I did. Um, so I'm optimistic about going to see him in February when he graduates. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to see you this year. Um, if all things, you know, straighten out with the world, um, That'd be nice. you know, but my, my good stuff for this week would probably just be that, um, for the first time in a really, really long time. And I am, I am genuinely happy and not for any particular reason, you know, um, everybody's, everybody's okay, you know, and I don't have to worry about anyone right now in this moment. I'm going to knock on some wood. Um, you know, uh, your sister, she's doing well. You're doing well, leader, mentor, teacher. Um, you know, so, I mean, everything's all right, you know, so that's my good stuff is that I'm at peace. Yeah, peace is a premium. That's for certain. Um, my good stuff, like, I, I put you on the spot, but then I didn't even – <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't really think about what my good stuff was. Now, um, I think my good stuff is like, I, I started this bullet journal um, this year. Um, and the first thing you're supposed to do is kind of think of a word that encapsulates what you're, encapsulates what you're going to do or, or what your focus is this year. And ironically, I used the word Zoom um, and not affiliated with the app. We are not sponsored. Um, yeah. But I use the word Zoom because of the, like, because it's kind of a double entendre. Um, it has two meanings. Um, you can talk about Zoom and a reference of going fast um, or going with purpose, or you can talk about focusing in. Um, and that's what, uh, that's what I kind of thought about this year. Um, this year, my goal or my, my drive is to keep pushing forward with a focus on what makes me happy. And I think oftentimes we get too focused on money and too focused on acclaim um, and clout and likes and shares and analytics of, of, our, of our businesses or analytics of our social media or of our platforms. And we forget why we started doing these things to begin with, why we wanted to be a part of this to begin with. Um, and so with everything that I do this year is gonna be about zooming in and zooming on. Like zooming in on why I'm doing it. And then, you know, once I realize that then moving with purpose towards um, that why. And if it's not about that why, then I'm zooming the other direction. Right. So I think I, my good stuff this week is, is having that renewed focus on that word, Zoom. That's what's up. That's so, good. So uh, let's wrap things up for this week. Uh, we appreciate all of you uh, listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, yeah, that's going to be a thing uh, every once in a while on this channel too. 
Um, so we really appreciate you joining us. Any parting shots at our lovely people out there? Yeah. Um, I've said this once or twice before uh, in previous episodes, but check in on people. Um, and I don't want to end this in a gloom or nothing like that, but check in on, on, on friends and family and make sure they are, right. you know, um, sometimes, you know, we we get so caught up in everything that we're doing in our own life that we tend to run with tunnel vision and not realize that someone might be going through something in their life. You know, I, I uh, lost two friends this year that I went to high school with and uh, it kind of put a lot of things in perspective for me. So just reach out and check on, people that you normally don't you know hey how you doing you know you ain't gotta be a whole lot but just check on people and man and y'all uh y'all take care of yourselves and be safe out there yeah absolutely um i second that um thank you guys for watching uh thank you guys for listening um if you like this podcast um then of course check out our back catalog and uh share it with somebody you know we want to wake up as many people as we can i'm dante i'm donnell and we'll see you next time thank you peace